Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Rama McCabe of Banks Journal, offering sustainable surf and lifestyle apparel. Rama and his co-founders realized that the existing surf apparel worked great, but the overall aesthetic and functionality of the brands were not up to speed. This is where Banks Journal enters. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Rama McCabe of Banks Journal. Rama, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Cameron. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show, and um, I look forward to uh, chatting with you. For sure. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where, did, where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like? Um, well, I, I actually grew up in a pretty alternative uh, childhood. I, I was born in a bit of a hippie commune in, like, far north Queensland in a place called Cedar Bay, and my dad um, went up there when he was pretty young and spent about 20 years in the wilderness, basically. Um, it's like a hike in and there's no no running water except like a, a creek that ran through it to the beach and like no electricity, no roads. And um, he, I, I was born up there and um, uh, there was like a, a, everyone was kind of pretty, pretty lackluster in the, the clothing department and it was pretty hippie. And then um, my my parents kind of split up, and then we uh, my both my dad and my mom and myself uh, moved down to, to Byron Bay, which is on the east coast of Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent uh, I guess from four years old till I was about eighteen um, living in Byron and just um, going to high school and primary school there and uh, surfing a lot. And um, my childhood was amazing. Like yeah. Byron Bay, I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever been, but it's. No. Uh, it's a picturesque place in the world and um it's like beautiful white sand beaches and really great right hand point breaks if you if you want to be surfing which i did growing up and uh it was just amazing and it's like a it's a very touristy place in australia so there was always an influx of um a lot of different cultures and like personalities and and just such a diverse group of people that it was um it was such an inspiring place to grow up and wow uh, my high school was um, was like a riding distance from home, so I just used to ride my bike to school. And it, the, the high school was kind of on the beach, so there's like you could go surfing sometimes. And it was um, yeah, it was, it was it was pretty idealistic to be honest. It was a, it was a really great upbringing. That sounds amazing. So I'm curious. I, I know like especially in a culture in a region like you were from, surfing um, is adapted at a young age. I'm curious, what was like your age that you started to learn and like develop your surfing skills and what was like the average age in your area especially it's not really the norm where i'm from exactly whereabouts are you from are you from the east coast New York? Uh, so i'm actually from indiana but i um in oh, los okay. angeles i moved to los angeles last month so i mean i'm seeing a lot oh. more surfers out here so i'm just curious to hear like what age you started surfing oh yeah yeah well so um my my older brother is um was a, a really talented surfer and then um he, he's actually the head judge of the wsl now and so he's he's really entrenched in the surf industry, and and as I was growing up, I was um, just so inspired, and and I really looked up to to um, my brother and everything that he did. I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps, so um, I saw him surfing, so I wanted to surf. And my um, my mom actually got me in the water first off. She was um, she was like a really supportive mother, and like wanted us to do anything that made us kind of happy and. She could see that surfing really made me happy and that I really wanted to kind of like look up to my brother and uh, follow in his footsteps. So 
Uh, she got me in the water on the, these like beautiful sand bottom, like right hand point breaks of Byron Bay, which are just the most perfect conditions to learn how to surf. And um, I think I was about nine or 10 when I first got in the water and actually started surfing. And it was, uh, it was an amazing experience, like spending, ha- having, having an outlet like the ocean yeah. at your kind of front door is, is an amazing way to grow up. It keeps you um, really interested and, it, and it's, it's a really challenging sport so, or lifestyle. So you, you're always kind of striving to be better and, and, um, and you've got like so many, especially in Byron Bay, I had so many great surfers around me yeah. that I was just always trying to get better and learn and, and be inspired by the people around me and, and obviously my, my old brother as well. So it was, um, yeah, it was about nine or ten and then I've uh, kept, kept at it ever since really. Definitely. So as you began to uh, age then, did you end up going to college or university? Um, and if so, what did you study? I went down and studied design down in Melbourne. Um, I was actually, it, it's a funny story, like uh, my, my, one of my best mates from school who is uh, one of the co-founders of Banks Journal as well, Tim Cochran, mm-hmm. we, um, we traveled around the world together after school. He's, he's a couple of years older than me, so he, he had a few years out of school before uh, we went traveling and then um, I, I finished school and we, Byron Bay is a really small town, so we were pretty eager to uh, get out and explore the world. And so we traveled around the world together, um, went to a bunch of great countries and had some pretty funny experiences along the way. Um, and then uh, we got back to Australia and Tim uh, obviously was a, a little bit older than me. He went down to Melbourne and studied and got a job working for Rip Curl um, as a designer. And then I kind of just um, followed in his footsteps, to be honest. I went down and um, studied design and then uh, got a job at Rip Curl. So it was... Um, I, I guess I was pretty pretty inspired by what he was doing, and then uh, yeah, so I just kind of um, I guess I, I in a way copied what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, following your time at school and prior to Banks Journal, I, I saw you have an amazing resume. Like you mentioned, Rip Curl's a, a very historic company, um, O'Neill, um, just surf specific brands. I mean, I'm interested. What got you fascinated with going into that industry specifically following school, and how did these opportunities arise to you? Yeah, like I, I think um, to be honest, like surfing has given me my whole career. Like I, uh, I, I grew up really wanting to surf and, and be in the surf industry. I, di- I didn't know what part of the industry at the start that I really wanted to kind of dive into, but um, surfing definitely opened up doors. Like I, I, I think at the time uh, Tim was working at Rip Curl and. Um, uh, the, the the surf industry at that time was like really full of like I guess kind of um, lifelong surfers, mm-hmm. and that opened up the door to for me to get a job at, at Ripco, and it was just a it's a really comfortable place to be. Like if you grow growing up by the ocean, growing up around all these like heritage brands, you you were so inspired by them. Like um when I was a kid, like I I thought Ripco, Billabong, and Quicksilver were like the the biggest best brands in the world and mm-hmm. and i i was um i was really inspired by what they did when i was a kid and uh th- this and this was a long time ago i'm pretty old now but it, it was um that they were really amazing brands and mm-hmm. they they sponsored all the best surfers in the world which myself and like all, all my kind of um the, the people that i was growing up around really ins- uh, were inspired to be like so um 
working at Ripco was kind of a, uh, a, a stepping off point. And then um, I, uh, I was only there for about a year. And then I was given a, a really an amazing opportunity to go and work for Globe. Um, at, at the time, they were they kind of only really did footwear, and they were really wanting to get into the, the clothing space. And um, one of my good friends, Reese Lawrence, and I both worked at Rip Curl, and uh, uh, Globe hired Reese, and then Reese went over, and then he he needed some help over there, like developing the clothing, and then he kind of connected me with them and then I, I came over as well. And it was, um, it was such a, a wild experience. Like we, we basically both had no experience of what we were doing. Like we, we were such, um, I guess, starry eyed kind of young, like designers and, and yeah. really had no idea what we were trying to do or how, or how to do it. And globe gave both of us an amazing experience to travel the world and like see a lot of factories throughout like India and China and, and also do a lot of research trips throughout the world to like major cities. And, and it was, um, it was, I guess it was a trial by fire almost. And we were, we were giving, we were given like a really long leash that we could either succeed or, or fail really badly. And, um, we we luckily did did okay. I, I think we both had um, a a good sensibility design sensibility at the time. Yeah, and uh, we we kind of dived into it head first, made a bunch of mistakes, but we also did did a couple things okay, and uh, we really enjoyed our time there. And um, uh, we, we were just so fortunate. Like we were, we were really um, we, we were separated from the main office up in Melbourne, and we had like a little satellite office down in Torquay. And um, we, because we were separated from the, the bigger kind of globe um, uh, starship that it was up in, in Melbourne, yeah, we were able to have a lot kind of closer and more real connections with the founders, Peter and Stephen Hill. And um, because of that, we got a lot of opportunities that probably a lot more talented and um, worthy people were, were, were receiving at the time within the business. So. Um, we were just really lucky. I think a lot of it had just to do with like the right time and the right place. Mm. Um, and, and I think we, we took advantage of that in a way, totally. in a positive manner. Like we were like, okay, like we're, we're both really underqualified. We really don't know what we're doing, but we're given this amazing opportunity. Let's like try and learn as quick as we can and like really absorb everything that we can. And, um, if, uh, if any of your listeners know Peter and Stephen Hill, they're, they're both, um, very talented uh, entrepreneurs and have um, have had an amazing career within the surf skate kind of lifestyle markets. Mm -hmm. So we we acknowledged that and, and um, absorbed everything we could. And then um, uh, <clears throat> I, I think um, after about two years or a year and a half, two years at Globe, um, an opportunity to to move back to the go like up to like closer to Byron Bay uh, near my hometown mm -hmm. um and we we moved out off like our design office back to the Gold Coast and that, that was amazing because mm -hmm. I was um a lot closer to home I could go back to Byron on the weekends and um we had a, a ni another nice little satellite office up there near Pacific Fair if, if any of your listeners have been to the Gold Coast I probably know where that place is mm -hmm. and then um <clears throat> because we we still had like a head office down in Melbourne I was traveling back and forward from the Gold Coast to Melbourne, which is about a two-hour flight every second week. So 
I was traveling just like so much. Um, and plus I was like going overseas all the time. So I was probably traveling away from home probably 70% of the year, which um, was just a lot to kind of deal with. So I ended up moving back down to Melbourne after a couple of years because it was um, just the travel and the expense of it all was um, was quite a lot just for, for the business at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I moved back down to Melbourne and I was living in the city in St. Kilda. And then um, uh, unfortunately, um, the the GFC happened in 2008 and, mm. and Globe was... Um, going through uh, a lot of changes and uh and downsizing and constricting and um they they had a lot of other great employees like uh ollie who you've interviewed from map like he was my my boss at the time and um to be honest today is the probably the most influential person uh, of my career as far as kind of design aesthetic and just um, teaching me what good design is and, and like attention to detail and factories, print and color and silhouettes. Like he was, um, I, I don't think I would have got very far without his, uh, his kind of guidance during that period of my career. Mm. But, um, du- during the GFC, like, th- yeah, things kind of downsized with the globe and, um, my position there became, um, not, not as needed as, as it previously was. And yeah. so, I ended up leaving and then um, moving to Sydney, uh, which was like a, an amazing change for me because it was like uh, I was living in Bondi, I was by the coast, I could surf again because I was living in the city in Melbourne, so it was a little bit far removed from the coast. Yeah. Um, so moved up to Sydney and, and my plan was to have some time off actually because I'd been like working nonstop and traveling a lot and I um, was in a position where I could probably take like six months off and just kind of regroup a little bit figure out like really what i wanted to be doing and um then uh a recruiting agency contacted me and told me about this um job that o'neill is like head menswear designer mm-hmm. and that that really intrigued me because i i like growing up looking at o'neill it's the, it's the oldest stuff company in the world it invented the wetsuit jack o'neill invented like the leg rope and board bag and he he's such an iconic person and yeah. the brand that he created um goes along along those lines as well and i felt like within the australian market they there was so much they could do that they weren't utilizing um so i thought it was a really a really interesting kind of uh job opportunity and, and i really liked the people that that were involved with the brand so um I made a decision to to go over and work with them and um that their office was on the other side of the city, which I was like commuting over um uh, like an hour and a half each way every day. But um it was it was an amazing brand. Like they I think they if you look at O'Neill um at the time, uh, and this was uh, like, I guess two thousand nine, it was um a super technical, amazing brand. They did incredible wetsuits, really great like technical surf shorts. But as far as um, more, I guess, contemporary, not fashion, but like just contemporary style product, yeah. I think that they were, they were, um, they, they weren't really on the Australian market at the time. So I thought there was a really good opportunity to kind of like dive into the heritage and, and like look back at the like the 60s and 70s and 80s and like really rehash some of the um the old the great old photographer they they did and like really cool old logos mm. and um some of that 
like heritage stuff had had a really good impact on their business. And uh, again, like I, I got a lot of um, opportunity to to do what I thought was good for the business in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, most, again, like some of those things didn't work, but some of them worked really well. And um, I got to work with the the US team a lot and travel to the US a, a bunch and. Um, and they, the clothing is the clothing rights in the U S is owned by the La Jolla group, mm-hmm. um, based in, in Irvine. And, uh, I was really lucky to come over and work with, with that team a lot on the, on the menswear. And that was really rewarding because they, they had a, a lot of really great talented designers themselves. And, mm. um, I, again, like I learned a lot and I learned how to be a lot more commercial, I yeah. think, cause my, my, um, my design aesthetic sometimes is the most commercially viable product and and i think the the u.s market really requires commerciality and and i I really enjoyed the process of of working with some like really talented designers that knew how to develop um product that was going to sell so i learned a lot there and then um uh i was i actually had a good friend in that I met when I was living in um, in Bondi, who, who we used to like hang out a lot and have a bunch of fun together. And um, he he had a small brand called the Critical Slide Society or TCSS, which is a a, a pretty kind of I guess fashion forward like coastal surf brand coming out of Australia. Um, and and I, I really loved the stuff that they did and. At the time, it was just um, uh, Sam Coombs, who was the founder, along with um, Jim and Susie, uh, who are the, they're the three co-founders of TCSS. And they were looking, for, they were like growing and looking for someone to come on as like the, the creative director slash designer. And um, Sam and I had been literally talking and like negotiating for about 12 months. Mm. And um, it, was a, it was a really long courting period. And I can remember I was away on a, like a really long uh, research uh, factory trip. I'd been like to to New York, Tokyo, London, and then I, I'd been to Hong Kong, and then I, I just got to India. And I was um in my in my uh, a, a, like a hotel room there, just so tired and exhausted. And I got this kind of pretty frustrated email from Sam going, hey, like we've been doing this negotiating for like a year now. We've got to like, like if you want to do it, let's do it. If you don't, like let us know and we'll like go try and get someone else. Yeah. And um, I was sitting in this room and I was like, gosh, like am I, am I really happy doing what I'm doing? Like uh, I'm, I, I've had a great time and I've learned a lot and I've got to travel a lot. Um, but there's, there's, more, there's more I want to do. And I, I, at the time I, I wanted to align closer to the product that i was designing yeah and um and i was like you know what yeah let's do it and then i i spent another week in india doing factory visits and then um i flew home and and put in my resignation at o'neill and then uh about two days later i I started at tcss and uh i stayed there for another like four years and um that was an amazing time like uh totally watching that business grow and and um turn into what it did and 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 it's still growing and it's still an amazing brand um was was really was really inspiring like i it was the most creative that i had ever been within my career and i got to um 
design a lot of great product and work on a lot of like really fun photo shoots and work with like incredibly talented people and um I, I, I love my time there and then I uh during that um we were doing these um like bespoke made to order board shorts. Yeah. And they were getting made out of um barley, which if you've ever done production in barley is is so much work, especially if you're doing like custom made stuff. Mm. So we we were giving customers um probably like six or seven different uh print options a bunch of different like solid dye fabric options different badge options different stitch options it was, it was like it was crazy yeah and we were we, we were doing these activations in japan so we'd, we'd go over to japan like we'd set up in like ron herman or some other like really great retailers and um basically i'd like sit behind a desk and design board shorts with like customers so it was like this really bespoke experience that like the um the customer would come in and we'd have a translator translating like this um, customer speaking japanese to me and then um someone from our office over there would translate to me and then i'd like design this board shot for him in front of them and then like shake hands It it was all it was a pretty surreal kind of situation um, and then after like a two week tour of Japan through all these retailers, I'd fly to, um, I'd fly to uh, Bali and then go over all these designs with our factory, which was just, it was crazy. Like it was, it was so much work. I'd have like piles, different threads, and fabrics, <laughs> and I'd be going to like print houses and it'd be in the middle of like monsoon, um, season. So mm. I'd be like riding a little, like a uh, little uh, scooter and like pouring down rain, getting all this fabric wet and wow. dirty. And it, was, it was pretty crazy period. And anyway, so I was spending a lot of time in Bali and, um, flying back and forward from Australia and Japan and like, um, the U S bunch as well. And, yeah. uh, I got to a point where I was just like, Hey, like this travel is just too much again. So I ended up moving to Bali for a few years. And um, that was a really incredible time of my life where like literally I was like living in a, in a place just near the beach. And then our main factory was like like a five minute bike ride up the road. So I was in, on the factory floor like every single day, like working with um, these extremely talented like Balinese like seamstresses and, yeah. um, and also kind of learning a lot about like print houses and dye houses and, and really getting hands on because we went previously to that um doing kind of design and development in in a more like um i guess india and china you don't get as hands-on like you can walk the factory floor but you're not really diving into the process and like ditching stuff with the seamstresses if they're if they're not quite getting it the way you want and it it was um it was was a really amazing experience because you you build these like incredible bonds with these um with the people that are working with you and uh there wasn't many other people that were so constantly there and like working on product with them so we built a a really good understanding and relationship with these factories which was um just a terrific time of of my career and then uh after a couple of years the business back in australia was like growing and like there was getting more staff and um I, like there was a, a time that uh, Sam, Jim, and Susan and I got to a point where we were like, look, like um, Rama, you need to be back here in Sydney. Like you need to be more a part of the, like the bigger business, and because um, we were getting employees that had yeah. like basically never met me because I was like always away and like on the road. Yeah. And 
um, they're like, you need to come back. You need to kind of take a, a, I guess, a bigger role within the business. And um, I, I thought that was a great idea. And and like I, I enjoyed my time in Bali, but it also um, it's uh, it gives you a little bit of a unrealistic viewpoint on, mm. on the world and, and where you sit within that world. So yeah. I was uh, I was really happy to kind of uh, uh, leave and and kind of move on to the next step. And um, I was back in Sydney working um, out of the office and, and it was um, it's such a rewarding feeling going from like literally Sam and I sitting in a little room together, like a, a 10 by 10 room, kind of like working back to back and then leaving for a couple of years and coming back and then they've got this big office and it's like a bunch of employees. It was, it was really nice um, yeah, totally. to, see, to see their business succeed and, and um, be a part of that. And then uh, during that period, um, because I was spending a lot of time in, in Japan, um, I I'd, uh, had a, got a really close relationship with the critical slide distributor within um, Japan. His name's Masahiro Shibahara. And uh, we got along really well. We, we saw eye to eye on a lot of things and, and spent a, a lot of fun nights out singing karaoke and um, just became like, really, really close. And uh, <clears throat> then... Um, um, basically uh, him and then one of his best friends from school called um, Moto Noda, who is our CFO and co-founder as well, who works out of the office here in Newport Beach with me. Okay. Um, and then Tim Cochran, like we all kind of came up with the idea of like um, starting banks. And um, I was um, I was still at Critical Slide. So um, I was still pretty like in, like entrenched in that. So Tim, really kind of took the lead of, uh, of, of spearheading the, the, the real birth of the brand. And, um, yeah. and then I, w- I was trying to just do as much as I, I could kind of on the sidelines of, of a pretty hectic job myself. And um, Tim worked with like Master and Moto and then another guy named Jake Work, who was our original art director, who's an um, incredibly talented guy. He, he comes from um, his, his original job was at uh, Insight which is a really oh, yeah. uh, amazing um, like kind of fashion surf brand out of Australia during that kind of same period. But he, he came over and um, was a big part of the, the original art direction of the brand. And um, and then about like uh, shortly after that, then I, I kind of left uh, left Critical Slide and then came on full time within, um, within the banks group. And then uh, it got to a period where... Um, the the Australian business was doing pretty good and the US business was kind of um, stagnating a little bit. Yeah. And Japan was doing great and um, there was like just a decision to be made, like what was going to go on with the US business and how, how are we going to kind of strategize to grow it. And uh, Tim has like a, a couple daughters and a wife and was pretty kind of um, locked into being in Australia. And... Um, uh, Moto Noda, who was already here in the US, um, he he's more kind of finance and law background, so he he didn't feel like he was the right person to kind of drive the branding of the business over here. So um, I was a little bit less, I guess, tied up in life outside of work. So yeah. I kind of um, accepted the the role of coming over here and and opening up the office and um, hiring some employees and, and kind of really getting the brand. Uh, going and then that that was um back in 2014 i hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far i'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor france and son 
Have you ever been looking around for a sofa but just cannot find the right piece that goes with the room or the aesthetic you're looking for? Well, France & Son offers customization options you may not find on other online retailers. A quick chat with customer service and you can have the sofa of your dreams in your favorite color at franceandson.com. That's franceandson.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. So I'm curious to give the listeners uh, uh, your POV. What were those first products that Bank's Journal actually launched? What was that line that you guys were looking to provide when first getting <clears throat> out into the market? Because I know those first few products are very vital on how sustainable the business is going to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so Tim Cochran and I come from like a majority of our background is kind of board short design. Yeah. And we, we both kind of grew up surfing and, and working within the surf industry and um, had both have had pretty successful kind of board short design careers. Yeah. And uh, we, um, we, we thought that that was like an easy starting point. It made the most sense for us. Like we were like a contemporary coastal menswear brand, but with like a, a really core surf heritage yeah. uh, to him and I. And so we, we were like, okay, like this is going to be comfortable for us. We know we can design this. We know that there's, there's space within the market to improve and, and make things that we want to wear ourselves because like at the time, and this was like 2013, 2014, and like technical kind of longer length board shorts were like going bananas. Like the, there was like $110 like pearly shorts that were amazing technical shorts. And same with O'Neill, like everyone was like fighting to the top of this technical kind of pyramid. Yeah. And um, we, we saw that there was a gap in the market for a, a more of a still technical and still user friendly, mm-hmm. but a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. So a little bit shorter maybe something that was um, usable in and out of the water. So you, you weren't so like uh, strapped to the beach when you're par- wearing a pair of shorts. So you yeah. could, like, I feel like our shorts, you could like wear them surfing, you could feel comfortable, you could like feel pretty loose and agile out there, but then you could come in, dry off, and you could maybe go grab a, a, a flat wire at your local coffee shop and mm. feel like you're not just... Um, a uh, a surf rat coming straight out of from the beach. So totally. it was um that was kind of our our benchmark when we first started, um and that has has stayed stayed the same. Like um I, I, board shorts has have been a really backbone of our business. We've had some like really successful styles. Um, as trends have kind of changed, the uh, like our I guess our category makeup our skew makeup of board shorts has changed a little bit and it's a little bit more heavier weighted towards more like kind of elasticated waistband styles yeah but we we still um we still do some really great technical board shorts which um i think the business is really proud of amazing so i'm curious uh mentioning those differences with your competitors what uh were your main marketing strategies and what are your main marketing strategies today uh to differentiate yourself um I'm just going to preface this with uh, I'm terrible at marketing. <laughs> so, um, I think uh, <clears throat> most of the success from our from our businesses is really product driven. Like we yeah. we've been a product driven um, brand since the beginning, and, and we remain that way. And I think as, as we as we grow, we're we're striving to become better at those those areas that we're naturally not fantastic at, but. Um, from the beginning, it's been really product first. Um, we we definitely 
striving to be a very sustainable business mm. when, when we first started and that, that was the 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 hallmark kind of marketing cry for us when, when we began the brand yeah um and we we've we've stayed true to that like i i to be like really transparent i don't think we have done um all that we can do and and we're we're always trying to be better like we're, we're far from perfect but we're we're always trying to improve and look for ways to to become more sustainable but our our business model is more long term so yeah. we we understand that if we do everything we possibly can at the start to be sustainable we may not be profitable and we may not be to be around for very long so we're trying to do things in a way that's manageable and sustainable for, for us as a brand. Definitely. And, um, and hopefully that will allow us to have a big, bigger impact on, on the world that we live in. Um, but uh, apart from that, like, yeah, marketing is, um, is more of an organic process for us yeah. and more word of mouth and just more so product driven. Totally. So looking at Banks Journal today, um, if you have an idea, what would you say is your top seller? Uh, maybe it's a board short or what would that be? Um, so our, our best seller is a, is a walk short actually. It's called the Big Bear and it's a, um, it's a play on that classic kind of like OP uh, corduroy short. Yeah. Um, and ours, the point of difference for ours, is it's got like it's a halfback elastic. So the front is fixed. And then the back is um, half, is elasticated. And then it also has like a, a little bit of elastane in the cord. So it's an incredibly comfortable walk short. And uh, that pretty much keeps our lights on, to be honest. Like it does um, it does really, really well. It's like, you know, top bestsellers every single day online. And then uh, at the end of like our wholesale indent seasons, it's always up, up at the top. So that, that guy is um, our kind of hallmark product. Amazing. So I like to conclude each episode with this. Uh, if you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, uh, what would that be? Um, gosh, I think um, the the most important thing is to surround yourself with people that are much better than yourself at the areas that you lack in, and and don't be scared of of having amazing people around you. Uh, I think that will allow you to to grow and become a better designer a better business owner a better manager i think it's um it's really humbling when you've got amazing talented people around you and um and also be open to new ideas and um be be transparent with the people around you and, and that's yeah i guess that's kind of um my my view on, on being being in the position i am definitely well, Raman, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Banks Journal at banksjournal.com. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode around Raman's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to say thank you to our closing sponsor, Lux LED Lighting, offering multifunctional and minimalist LED lights, designs for every room in the home and office. As I work in the studio and as I edit this podcast, it's so crucial that the lighting is just right both for the focused and aesthetic of the room. I know if you have an office space or a home space, that lighting design can aesthetically bring the whole space to life. So I highly recommend Lux LED Lights. So make sure to check them out at luxledlights.com. That's luxledlights.com, and we'll see you next week.